Father, I'm so humbled, I'm so honored that you would allow me to be on this platform, that you would allow me to share the unsearchable riches of Christ. Father, I'm humbled by the body that's here. I'm humbled by my friends and my family that are here. And Father God, I just want two things. I want the light of the gospel to shine into our hearts and we would know who we are and we would know what belongs to us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? We've been talking about the house. Not my house, not your house, but the house of God. And we have talked about how we have dedicated, we've designated this building as a place of worship. This building could be used for other things, but we've designated it as a place of worship. We poured the foundation, we anointed it with oil, we built the walls and the ceiling, and we gather regularly in this place to worship our God. We have found out, see, you've done the hard part. You got up, you turned off the alarm, you fought off extra sleep, you got ready, you got here. You brought your children, you brought your grandchildren, whoever else you brought, you did the hard part. Now, now that you're here, Turn on your expector. Okay, we found out that one of the most powerful things you do is when you show up here is you have expectations. Listen, God is here. He promised he would meet us here. And all he wants us to do when we come to his house is turn on our expectation. Stir up your heart. Preheat your oven, if you will. We talked about that. Your heart being an oven. God, I'm ready for what you have for me. God, I don't want to waste a Sunday. I don't want to waste the next 30 minutes by being here because I could go do something else. So when you show up here, you turn on your expectation. You stir up your faith. And you tell God, God, I need you to show up in my life. Now, what have we found out? Well, we found out that this is the house of mercy. That there's mercy available here. What did we find out? Lamentations. We found out that the Word of God says that His mercy is new every morning. So when you got up this morning, the mercy of God is available to you. This is not a house of judgment. Judgment's been poured out on Jesus. This is not a house of condemnation. This is not a house of shame. This is not a house for you to show up in and be reminded of your faults and shortcomings. It's the house of mercy. And mercy is available. All you have to do is reach out and take it. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been exposed to. Mercy is available. The second thing we found out is that this is the house of wholeness. You and I are on a journey of wholeness. Listen, when I came to the house of God, I was broken. I was broken in a lot of different ways. And I began to hear the good news of the gospel. And I found out that I could be whole. I could be whole in my mind. I could be whole in my heart. I could be whole physically. My marriage could get better. My relationship with my kids could be good. My job could be good. And I began this journey. The word whole means to be sound. God wants you to be of sound mind and sound body. And when you come into the house of God, you've come into the house of wholeness. Acts 10.38 says, 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, here's the amazing truth in that verse, and there's a lot of layers of truth in that verse. Okay, God has also called you. God has also anointed you, and he's given you the privilege to take good news to those around you, to those in your family. It's not just Jesus. It's also you and I. But he came to bring wholeness. Then what's the next thing we found out? We found out this is the house of healing. This is the house of healing. I told you the story of the woman who had the issue of blood. And you remember she was sick for years. She went to the doctor. She spent all of her money. She didn't get better. And here's what she said. She heard Jesus was coming to town. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. She violated social rules. She violated social protocol. She went out into public. She forced her way through the crowd of people around Jesus. And when she did, she was pretty close to the ground. And she reached out and she touched his garment. And the Bible says she was made whole. And that Jesus turned and said, who touched me? Because he knew life had gone out of him. Now, one of the things I'd like to remind you of is what she said. It says in the scripture that she said to herself, if I can just touch him, I'll be made well. My question to you this morning is, what have you been saying to yourself? What have you been saying about your issues, your mountains, your problems? What have you been saying? Have you been saying, if I can just get to the house of wholeness, if I can just be in the house of healing, if I can just touch the Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'll be made well. It does matter what we say. It does matter if we have expectation in our heart because she did. And when she touched him, she was made well. Again, it's Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all. It says that he healed all who were oppressed of the devil. Listen, I've been oppressed. Okay, I know many of you in this room have been oppressed. Jesus touched me, and I've been on that journey of wholeness. I've been on that journey of healing. The next thing I want to talk to you about this morning, excuse me, is how this is the house of deliverance. This is the house of deliverance. Let me give you a definition for that word as we move forward this morning. Webster's Dictionary says it means to be rescued and to be set free. To be rescued and to be set free. Now, there's never anything wrong with looking up a verse in the Bible in the dictionary. But you want to recognize the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. I don't know about you, but I like to know the meaning of words. I love to study words and find out what does it mean behind the scenes. What does it mean besides just the surface? So anytime you read a verse in the New Testament and you want to know what it means from the Bible, you want to look it up in Greek. doesn't mean you have to speak Greek. All it means is you put the word in your computer and say, what does this mean in Greek? And it'll pull it up and it'll help you. 
Now, the verse I'm going to read to you this morning is out of Psalms. The Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew. And so I'm going to read you a verse, but before I do, I want to give you the Hebrew definition for deliverance, and you're going to love it. Listen to what it says. It says it means to escape or to slip out. To escape or to slip out. Listen, you're in the house of deliverance, and God wants to make a way for you to escape. He wants to make a way for you to slip out. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about when the devil gets you cornered. And he corners you with your sin. He corners you with your shame. He corners you with stuff going on in your life. I've been cornered by the devil. Probably everybody in this room has been. But God's going to make a way for you to escape. And he's going to make a way for you to slip out. You are in the house of deliverance. Now, let me tell you the first thing that God has delivered you from. This is the very basic first thing. My parents went to church. They took me. I heard the gospel. The pastor came to our home and shared the gospel. Hey, Jesus died for you, Rusty. He died for your sin. He spent three days in the tomb, and he was risen from the dead for you so that you could be saved. The very first thing I was delivered from was hell for eternity. I heard the gospel, and I said yes to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, I went from darkness into light, and I was delivered from hell for all of eternity. I was delivered from living with the damned for all of eternity because I heard the gospel, and I said yes to Jesus Christ just like you did. The very first thing I was delivered from was to be eternally separated from God. The next thing I was delivered from was from my sin. Let me explain to you three things about sin. If you know Jesus as your Savior this morning, the penalty for your sin has been paid. Let me say it again. The penalty for your sin has been paid. Listen, I will never pay for the things I've done. Do you know why? Because Jesus paid. He paid once and for all. He paid past. He paid present. He paid future. The penalty of your sin has been paid. Here's the second thing he did with my sin. The power of sin has been broken. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking the same thing. Okay. Hey, Rusty, do you still sin? Regularly. I always try to fit it into my day. You you know, right? You get up in the morning, and I try to put it on my calendar first thing. Be sure and sin sometime today, okay? It may be late, but I always try to fit it in. I'm joking. We all sin. We all make mistakes. But listen. The power of sin has been broken in your life. What does it mean? It means you can win more than you lose. It means that you've been given the blood of Jesus, the authority of the name of Jesus, citizenship in heaven, and sin does not have to rule over you. It is a battle you can win. Here's the third thing that's happened with sin. There will be a day come when all of us will be in a place and there'll be no presence of sin. That's what heaven is going to be. There'll be no sin there. There'll be no darkness there. So the penalty of your sin has been paid. The power of sin in your life has been broken. And the day's going to come where you won't even be in the presence of sin. Now, I made a list of some things also here that I want to read to you that I've been delivered from. Now, your, your list may not be as bad as mine. Uh, you're probably a way better person than I am or, or, or better, you know, you haven't done things like I've done, but I've got my list and your list could be different. <clears throat> but let me read to you some of the things. Let me get a sip of water and then let me read to you. 
I've been delivered from hell. I've been delivered from the penalty and the power of sin. I've been delivered from alcoholism. Now, I'm not an alcoholic. I was never an alcoholic, but I've always been told I would have been a good one. Okay? I, I mean, they told me that, right? <clears throat> I've had friends tell me, Pastor, you would make a great alcoholic. Now, let me explain to you what I mean. Anything I do, I do with all my heart. All right? When I was a sinner, I was, Tim's nodding. He's the same way, right? When you were a sinner and I, we did, I did it with all my heart. So if I was going to be an alcoholic, I would be a good one. I, I, would, I would do it with all my might and all my power and ability. But because my father, now my grandfather on my dad's side was an alcoholic. And there was a lot of hurt and a lot of misery in their life. But my dad went to church. My dad went to the house of deliverance and he received Christ as his savior. And the power of that was broken in their family. It was broken off my dad and consequently it was broken off of me. And so I've been delivered from alcoholism because of that. Here's the next thing. I was delivered from poverty. All right. And I've talked to you about that. Listen, I've been broke. Okay. Anybody in here been broke before? I've been broke, right? Uh, you know, do you ever go to the grocery store and you're going down the cereal aisle and you always see that mom with the children and they're following behind her with that big bag of cereal that's red, white, and blue and green and purple. Yeah, you know, right here, right here. I'm preaching now. And, and, and she's saying, or he's saying, mom, 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 let me get this. And mom always says no. And, and that's always funny, but it's even better when it's the man. Okay. What do you mean? Well, I've seen couples in the grocery store and she's pushing the basket and the dad comes up, the husband comes up and says, honey, can I get this cereal? Now I've really seen this happen. I'm not making this up. And she says, no, you can't get, I heard a lady say one time, no, you didn't eat it last time. I had to throw it away and you won't eat it. And this grown man says to her, honey, I promise I'll eat it. I promise I'll eat it. Okay, now, uh, I, I've, I've been there. I wanted to stop and tell her, ma'am, I'll help him eat it, okay? <laughs> Just get it open and we'll eat it. Now, you know, Vicky and I have done that in the fruit aisle. We love fruit. And have you ever gone to the fruit you know, department in the store. And man, you just, you know, I want strawberries and blueberries and blackberries and I want apples and I want bananas. Have you ever noticed how when you bring bananas home in five minutes, they're ruined? What happens to bananas, right? And then I, then my wife says, no, you can't get them. You didn't eat them last time. Listen, I've been to the store and not been able to buy something because we were at the end of our money. Does that make sense? I know many of you have felt that before. All right, listen, God wants to deliver you from that, and he has delivered me from that in my life. I've been delivered from poverty. Here's the next thing is divorce. Now, I have not been divorced, but I have not been divorced simply by the grace and the goodness of God. And I'm not looking down on anybody in here who's been divorced. Listen, God hates divorce, but he loves divorcees. And he knows the pain and suffering it causes. And if you've been divorced, you know too. But because of God's grace and God's goodness, he's taken care of me in that area. Listen to the next thing is death. Now I've been delivered from physical death at different times in my life and spiritual death. When I had my heart issue and I went to the doctor and after I had surgery in Lubbock, many doctors came through my room and here's the first thing they said. How did you know you had that condition? They usually find that in your autopsy. They, they told me that. They said, you're lucky to be alive. Well, I know it wasn't luck, amen? 
It was the grace of God. So I've been delivered from physical death. Now, I'm going to die eventually. I'm not, unless Jesus comes. I'm not saying that. But I've been delivered. The second thing I've been delivered from is spiritual death. My list is pretty long, isn't it? Man, let me, let me give you another one. Domestic violence. When Vicky and I were young married, I did not know how to be married. I, I just didn't. I didn't know how to control my emotions. I didn't know how to control my temper. And I could spend the rest of the service telling you stupid things I've done. Now, I don't look stupid. I know. Okay, I know I don't. <clears throat> but I've really, in the early days of our married life, I've done things that I would be embarrassed to tell you. I've done things that even now, as I'm thinking about them, I'm ashamed and I'm embarrassed. But we found Jesus Christ, and I was, and I'm not perfect. No, no, I still do dumb stuff, okay? I'm not, I'm, but I'm, I'm better enough to stay married, amen? Y- y'all with me, right? Okay, but God delivered me from that. Here's the next thing, is jail. What do you mean jail? Well, I've never been to jail, thank God. Now, I was in jail this week, but I was there doing ministry. I wasn't there uh, being booked in, okay, all right? And I- I've never been to jail, but the same thing. Listen, and I'm being serious, I've done dumb things where I should have gone to jail. Uh, I just didn't get caught. And God's grace and God's deliverance, because I showed up in the house of deliverance, he took care of me. Now I got, I got two more, all right? Your list is probably shorter than this. And, and this next one is I'm serious. He delivered me from insanity, okay? Pastor, are you crazy? Well, I have been at times, amen? I have been at times. And, and I'm being serious, Okay, listen, one of the benefits of the kingdom of God is peace in your mind, and God has helped me. Then the last thing is just being generally messed up. I mean, anybody in here just been jacked up, right? Yeah, isn't that a country song, right? Don't drive your truck if you're, not, if you're all jacked up, right? I mean, and that, yeah, if I had a guitar, I could sing, right? I won't do it, <clears throat> right? Uh, I, it's just generally being messed up in my life, okay? I went to the house of deliverance. You've come to the house of deliverance, and I'm on this journey where my life is getting better and better and better and better. I've been married 42 years, and when we've been married two years, we've been married five years, nobody gave us a chance of staying married because I had all these issues in my life. But because I came to the house of deliverance, God helped me. I want to read you a verse this morning out of Psalms. It's Psalms 18, 19, out of the NIV. Psalms 18, 19. You're going to love this verse. It says, he, God, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Now, there's so many good things in that verse. I have something stirring in me right now that I don't want to leave out, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit, and I believe it's for somebody in this service. It's so important that just what I talked about, just what I finished talking about, I believe it's so important you talk to your children and your grandchildren about the goodness of God and how God has delivered us and how God has kept us married and God has kept us fed and God has kept a roof over our head. I think it's so important that when you gather with your family, that you talk about, you remind yourself, you remind your loved ones about the goodness of God. Now, listen to what this verse says. The very first thing it says is, he brought you and I into a spacious place. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? Here's what it means. 
when the devil has you hemmed in, when he has you cornered, and you can't get out, and there seems no way of escape, your father will provide a way of escape. And he wants to bring you out of the corner, out of the darkness, out of whatever hole you're in, to a place of light, to a place of grace, to a place of openness. Then the next thing it says is, because he delights in you. Now, listen very carefully. I don't want you to miss this. There are some of you in this room that you've never been delighted over. No one ever delighted in you as a child or as an adult. Now, Annie's going to be almost three. And when she was younger than that and just learning to walk, and she would come into our home, Vicky would always just act surprised. Vicky would just kind of be like, <gasps> she would just catch her breath. And when she would do that, Annie would do it back to her. <clears throat> and for a long time, every time we would see her, she would do that because we were delighting in her. All right? Some of you in this room have never been delighted in. What's another example? When a little girl says, Daddy, watch me. Daddy, watch me. And she wants to sing or she wants to dance. You know, when we're down at Power Kids with 90 kids, every single one of them want me to watch them. They want me to watch them shoot a basketball. They want me to watch them dance. They want me to watch them re read or do a Bible verse. And we do our best, don't we, leaders? We do our best to listen to them, to watch them, because some of them are never delighted in. And I know there's some of you here this morning, and you're right there. Listen, your father delights in you. Your heavenly father knows you, and he delights in you. And when he thinks of you, he smiles. When he thinks of you, he catches his breath. You are delighted in. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it means a lot to me. No matter if you never have been, God delights in you and wants to bring you out of the corner, out of the dark, into a place of light, into a place of openness. Amen? Let me read you another verse. I want to go to Psalms again, and I want to read Psalms 32, 7. Listen to what it says. It says, God, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I could preach a whole sermon on that one verse, but I want you to notice one thing. It says that we can sing songs of deliverance. We just did that. Uh, we did my breakfast set this morning. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, I cook breakfast at my house in the morning. Vicki and I have breakfast together. I have a routine that I go through, and I cook breakfast. Well, when I cook breakfast, I play worship music, and I play some of the songs we did this morning. One of my favorite songs right now is When Death Was Arrested and My Life Began. And I play that while I make breakfast, and God's Spirit fills the kitchen. And I can even have to stop what I'm doing because I'll begin to cry because God's presence is touching me. It says right there, you and I can sing songs of deliverance. When we come in this place on Sunday morning, listen, worship is not a preliminary. It's not the prelims. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not like, well, we're doing that so everybody will get here, okay? You know, and then the important part of the service is the preaching. This is important. But worshiping God is just as important. And I don't know sometimes how people 
don't sing. I don't know sometimes how people can stand in the service with their arms folded and they don't even sing the words. Listen, I've been delivered. I've been delivered. I've been set free. And so it's easy for me to sing songs of deliverance. And that's exactly what we do when we gather in this place. I want to go to another verse. I want to go to Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Luke 4, 16. <clears throat> now, stay with me. Don't, let, don't miss this. Okay, Christianity is not a religion. It's a person. The person is Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is. It's not a religion. I was in the jail this week, and I had a young man tell me, I don't like religion. I said, I don't either. I don't, Jesus didn't either. Okay, Christianity is not religion. It's not do's and don'ts. It's a relationship with Jesus. Here's the offer of Christianity. The offer is life. Life. That's the author. The offer, excuse me. The life you've hoped for, the life you've dreamed of, the life you've longed for, that's the offer of Christianity. You see, it's not about, oh, here's a big old set of rules. You gotta keep all these rules. Or here's a book filled with things you gotta, no, no. No, it's life. Everybody in this room longs for life. Amen? Amen. I, want, I don't know about you. I know you do. I want life. That's the offer. Jesus goes into the synagogue. It's the town he was raised in. And he reads out of the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And he's reading about himself. So I'm going to ask you a question before I read. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? And we'd get a lot of good answers. If I opened it up this morning, well, he came and died for my sin, which is true. He came to save me, which is true. He came to love me, which is true. But he reads out of the Old Testament why he came. And I want to read it to you. Look what it says in Luke 4, 16. So he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now stop right there. I want to just point out something to you. It says that it was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue. Now, we don't go to synagogue. We go to church. They went on Saturday. We go on Sunday. Now, it doesn't matter what day you go on. Okay, you might go on Saturday nights. You, you know, Trinity Fellowship in Amarillo, the, they don't have a Saturday night service anymore. They moved it to Thursday. So, you might go on a Thursday night. But here's the point. Jesus attended regularly. If Jesus attended regularly, I want to attend regularly. I'm in the house of God regularly. Why? Because I need it. Because I want to be exposed to mercy, to wholeness, to healing, to deliverance. I want to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's who y'all are. You know that, right? You know you're related to me, right? You know you're going to have to be with me forever, right? That should make some of you happy and some of you cry. Amen? We're going to be together forever. That's the kingdom. All right. He went regularly. Thank you for being here. Bobby, thanks for coming, bro. Thanks for being in the house of God. And I know you've had help getting here, and I'm glad that you had help getting here. Amen. I had help getting there too, man. My dad and my mom, they helped me get there. But then you'll get to a place where they won't help you get there, and you'll go on your own. And I, and I know that you'll do that. Jesus showed up, and because he did, we show up. Amen. Now, let me keep reading. Listen to what it says. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. 
and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it's written. Listen to what he says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes who were there in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he said to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I just read to you what Jesus read about himself, and it identifies why he came, and it identifies what's available to you when you have a relationship with him. With just the few minutes that I have left, can I just show you, the very first thing it says is, is that he came to bring good news to the poor. What is good news to a poor man? You don't have to be poor anymore. Amen? The good news, another word for good news is gospel. That's what the gospel is. It's good news. You know, when you come to church, you know what you're supposed to hear? Good news. Yeah, you're supposed to hear good news. Not that you're a dirty rat. Right? You're a dirty rat, and God knows you're a dirty rat, and God doesn't like dirty rats. No. You're supposed to hear good news, and that is the penalty of your sin has been paid. The power of sin has been broken in your life, and Jesus is preparing a place for us. That's the good news. Good news to the poor. Here's the next thing he said he came to do, to heal the brokenhearted. I've had a broken heart before, and I don't mean in the sixth grade when I gave a little girl a St. Christopher. I don't mean that, okay? Uh, right? I, I've seriously had a broken heart. I know many of you, I, would it be okay to say everybody in here at one time or another has had a broken heart? I mean, you know my story. My dad dies when I'm 18 years old. Listen, my heart wasn't broken. It was stomped to pieces. It, I was crushed by that. But you know what Jesus said? I've come to heal the brokenhearted. No matter how bad your heart's been broken, and I know many of you have had broken hearts. Many of you may have one right now this morning. The Scripture says, Jesus said that I'm here to heal your broken heart. There's hope, amen? The next thing it says is to set the captives free, to release the captives. Listen, I've been captive. Some of you in here have been captive. Some of you are captive now. I've been captive to things in my life. You've been captive to things in your life. You know what the scripture says? Jesus said, I've came to release the captives. The next thing he said is the blind will see. Now, I physically can see. But you know, a lot of times we can see physically, but we're blind spiritually. Right? So, Because you would think, well, that's not for me, pastor, because I can already see. Yeah, but sometimes you don't see and you think you do. Amen? So one of the promises Jesus made is, I'll help you see. I'll help you have wisdom. I'll help you know what to do. Amen? Listen to the next one. I'm almost done. To set the oppressed free. I love that. What did Jesus come to do? To release the oppressed. I've been oppressed. I've been oppressed. You've probably been oppressed. Jesus came to release you. How's he doing that? Well, I'm on this journey to wholeness. 
and I show up in the house of mercy. I show up in the house of wholeness. I show up in the house of healing. I show up in the house of deliverance, and my life is getting better. Do I have some hard times? Oh, yeah. Are there days that I leave and think, man, it's not better, it's worse? Yes. But generally, God is moving in my life. Here's the last thing. I saved the best for last, favor, favor. Jesus said, I've come to bring favor. You have the favor of God in your life because you're his son and you're his daughter. Listen, God responds with favor to humility. What does that mean, pastor? That just means you get your expector out and you turn it on. You turn on your expectation, and you simply do this. God, I need you. I need you in my marriage. I need you as a parent. I need you as a grandparent. I need you at my job. God, I need you. Listen, God responds to that. God will pass over a 1,000 people full of pride to help one person with a need. James says so, that God's going to do what? Well, I'm going to resist the proud. I'm going to resist the proud. But when I turn on my expectation, God responds with favor. God responds to humility. Amen? Amen. That, that is all good news. Amen? All right, close your eyes and let me pray for you. I know I gave you a bunch today. I mean, y'all should go out of here happy and blessed. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Father, I love you. I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful for your kingdom. I'm grateful for all that you're doing in our lives. Lord, your goodness is just what it says in Ephesians, Lord, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Lord, stir us and touch us today. Father, I pray for every family. I pray for every person here today that these truths are at work in our lives, that we do have your favor, we do have your love, that as we leave your house, it's a house of deliverance and that you go with us. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm grateful for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Y'all stand up.